Welcome to Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kind of being a part of the show. We are going to have, como se llama? A great show for you today. Anyway, we got a great interview with the uh, communications director of Netroots Nation, that, that, that uh, particular conference that I'm going to, which is the largest, largest conglomeration of progressives in the world in one place in Chicago in a couple of weeks on the 13th of on the 13th of a little more than a couple of weeks on the 13th of on the 13th of July yeah 13th of July anyhow so she's gonna have some words to say but anyhow welcome aboard welcome aboard e2247 is in the house hola como estas e2247 as well as bridge mcp as well as para ver quien más está aquí Jeremiah Noonan says, glory, glory, hallelujah. The truth is marching home, for I am the truth, the way, the glory of heaven. I am the rise of hallelujah. So says Jeremiah Noonan. Uh, Melanie Keelan is in the house. Melanie Keelan is here from Barcelona, Spain. And so we also have uh, Michael Rudnan, uh, AVQ. Anyway, folks, how are my peeps doing today? If you're just signing up, Please remember to click those up arrows. Give us those thumbs up. Also, please do remember to give us the likes on Facebook. So if you're on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. If you're on Facebook, give us those likes. We can do much better with them. And don't forget while you're at it, if you, if you feel so kindly too, click that join button and become a part of the PDR Posse. PDR Posse. Lee Grant is in the house as well. Yes, Tom C. No sailing today. Poor air quality in mid-Michigan today. I saw that. I saw that you guys have that, all the smoke coming over again from Canada. Well, I hope it gets better. Alistair Waters just joined us into the house as well. Welcome aboard, Alistair Waters. Great to hear your words this morning on our early version of the program on air, KPFT 90.1 FM. It's always wonderful when I see some of my brethren from here on the internet show appear on the live show, not this is the live show too, on the over the air and internet show that we do at KPFT Houston. We also had, um, uh, we had a few, uh, we had Eric Hayes. Welcome. Eric Hayes was at the, this morning as well. And we also had a, somebody else was there. I, I saw, I don't know if I, I, I mentioned. Yeah, but we, we had a great show this morning. We had great calls, etc. Bruce Pollard, is in the house as well. Welcome, Bruce. Anyhow, without further ado, because I don't want to take up all of the time, I think I saluted everybody that's here thus far. Let's go ahead and get that uh, interview started with the one and only Mary Rickles from Netroots Nation. Uh, she has been the communication director for some time right now. I think you'll find the interview quite Interesting. So let's go ahead and do that right now with La Senora Mary Rickles. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rada McBerto, who is your host. Today we are honored to have Mary Rickles. Mary Rickles is the Director of Communications and uh, Politics for Netroots Nation, the largest annual conference for progressives in America. Mary will discuss her path to her progressive philosophy as well as the goals of Netroots Nation. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Mary, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Happy to be here with you today. Look, I, I'm, I'm great to have you here. I tell you, I was on the uh, Netroots uh, Nation app and I saw an interview that you did with uh, the community is critical 
uh, with Lila Nordstrom and Kelith Reese. And it was like, wow, you were exactly the type of person that I wanted to talk to, especially with the work that I'm doing, uh, claiming that we can actually make people change from one way to the other. But anyhow, first of all, tell us a little bit about who is Mira Rickles. Well, I am um, an organizer at heart. Um, I grew up in the South um, in Alabama, and I now live in the Bay Area um, with my husband and my five-year-old son. Um, so uh, I've been involved with NetRoots in some way, um, actually, since the very beginning. This will be our 18th yes conference. Um, so I've been involved as part of the team in, in some way or, or another um, since then. You know, what's interesting, right? And, and one of the things that I said when I when I listened to that podcast that I really wanted to talk to you is that you told me you grew up a conservative Republican family, the, the whole works. And you know, after getting out of uh, I, I, getting out, going to college and experiencing more of the world, it suddenly changed your thought process, the way you the, the way you think. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, and uh, as many people are there, uh, grew up very conservative. My parents, um, you know, were staunch Republicans. My dad still is. Um, and, you know, as the youngest of four kids, like I just grew up thinking my parents were right. Um and, you know, listening a lot to a lot of Fox News and Rush Limbaugh on the way to school and things like that. And um, I remember a conversation that my brother and I had um, right around the time the first Gulf War was happening. And my brother was like, I don't agree with dad on this issue. And I was like, me either. Um, and so my brother and I would have these conversations about, hey, what do you think about, you know, this political issue or or what's happening in the world here? And like, my brother and I would have these little side conversations. And a lot of times we were like, that's not really what mom and dad, you know, say or or what, you know, we're hearing on the news all the time. And so I just started reading a lot and, and listening to other sources of news. And really around the time that I went to college, um, I just kind of started working on critical thinking and trying to take in information from as many sources as possible. And, um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a community and a family that was very rooted in the Baptist church. And in particular, like I found myself challenging, like those beliefs around equality and humanity and, and things like that. And, um, and just kind of at some point in college realized that, I wanted to be on the side of of justice and I wanted to be on the side of uh, of people who are fighting to make the world better for everyone, regardless of what religion you are or regardless of what you know background you are, or color your skin is or anything like that, um, that I just wanted to to be more on the side of that than um, than, you know, always fighting over, you know, what conservatives are supposed to think like. Um, so, I mean, I still have my roots in the South. I, I love my family and I'm close with them, but you know, it, it's, it's a challenge sometimes when I go home because I I'll run into, you know, friends and they're like, Oh, well, you're, you're a Democrat now <laughs> and, and things <laughs> like that. And I'm like, no, I'm just progressive. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm for this issue or I'm, you know, against this issue. And, 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird position to be in when you all of a sudden realize that like all the things you heard growing up didn't, you know, doesn't jive with what, where you are now and how you've grown into a person. But I've actually found that a lot of people I grew up with, um, and quite a few people in my family have actually gone through a similar journey where, you know, there, there's like a small very progressive, you know, minority in, in a lot of states, even the reddest of areas. You know, let me let me tell you what's interesting. You have your mother and your father, and your father very conservatives and and conservative. And what you said is when you went out there, you started to read, you expand. What you really did is you expanded your horizons. You got outside of your comfort box. And what that tells me, however, is having the parents that you had as conservatives, conservative as they were that that really didn't stop you. I mean, it, it tells me you had great parents, okay? And as much as uh, your parents are conservatives, it gave you the latitude to go out there and explore. They may not want to go exploring with you, but at least you had the latitude to go explore. So don't you think that you represent a large percentage of the population that can actually change? And whereas... You know, many of many of the folks, let's say in the progressive intelligentsia would act, would believe that uh, maybe we should just leave folks that are conservative alone. Let's just forget about your dad. Let's just forget about, you know, all those family members that are conservative. That's not the that's not what I share. I share the idea of leaving the door open with a platform for people to land on. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think. I think you can almost always find common ground with people. Um, I mean, my dad actually was a huge Trump supporter. And like, I still, when I go home, my dad and I will get into conversations and I try, I try to leave political words out of it. We'll have conversations that are more values based about, you know, what the workforce should look like and, you know, how working moms are supported and just all kinds of different issues. And a lot of times I'll find my dad agreeing with me as long as I don't put the super, you know, politicized words into, right. um, you know, my dad, I, I, he, he grew up listening to conservative radio and that's like, that's all he intakes. So like, I don't fault him too much for, you know, for having that perspective. That's, that's literally like what he's constantly exposed to. And, um, you know, I think by and large, most people in this country want to find middle ground with people, um, you know, people don't want to walk around just being angry all the time. Um, so I always try to just lead with with empathy and with values first and also just look at someone and say, wow, like, I really don't agree with them. But they're also a, a fellow human being. You know, I don't know what's happening in their life. I don't know what's caused them to think this way or that way. But I can approach them as a person. Um, right. And I mean, that's there are people in this world who are, you know, hateful and, you know, maybe, maybe way, way past the point of being able to find that common ground. But by and large, most people, you know, if you approach with kindness, with grace, with empathy, um, and, and lead with values, a lot of times you can find common ground. And a lot of times like the world isn't as I think black and white, as far as politics, as like traditional media wants us to think like it's not all or nothing for most people. You know, it's by design, actually. I mean, if we can keep people in cast, then the people on top can always get what they want. 
Um, interestingly, uh, talking about you can always approach people without using the keywords. I, I always tell the story about being in a Starbucks and speaking to a, a woman who had insurance issues, staunch Republican. I live in a staunch Republican area. And we started talking and I yes, I was giving her leading questions or leading statements. But by the end of the discussion, everything that she said she wanted was Medicare for all. And I felt guilty as hell. And I'm like, you know, um, first of all, I'm a left wing progressive. And uh, I what you just described was was uh, Medicare for all. And she looked at me and she turned red face and looked at me with horror and then said, but you're so nice. It's amazing <laughs> that what happens is there's a caricature that's made of progressives too often. And in doing so, uh, people have their guards up. So when you state that you keep some keywords out of there, that's the magic I think so often that actually works, you know? Yeah. And there's caricatures on both sides. I mean, I, there are people right. who I, you know, I, I love dearly who are, you know, part of my childhood, you know, friend group or part of my family who, you know, are very conservative and like, I still like one of my dearest friends is, is very conservative, but she actually will call me sometimes and she'll be like, Mary, I really want to know what you think about this issue. And, and she listens and she's like, Oh, that's interesting. I didn't see it from that perspective. And, but she might push back and that's okay. And then I, you know, I'll counter that with my thoughts. And, and like, we end up having really great discussions because we come into the conversation with respect. Um, and so I think, you know, that's, that's, to me, that's been the best way to approach it is, and there have been people that I've, I've, you know, not that that's my mission, but like I have changed some people's minds about issues just by approaching it and saying, well, you know, this is, this is my approach and kind of why I believe this way. And a lot of times people will say, okay, well, I never, I never thought about it that way, but I agree with you. And, you know, I think if we would just take some of the, you know, hyper partisanship out of it, um, we probably would would be all all be a lot happier. <laughs> I mean, you nailed it this morning on my KPFT show at, on uh, Pacifica Network. This guy called in and he was ready to attack uh, attack on the things that I was talking about. And when we st I, first of all, I showed him as he attacks, I showed respect. I, I never get mad at anybody. You can call me anything and it's, it'll be fine. And I told him, uh, you know, we started going over and I asked him a few questions. And by the end of the discussion, he's, uh, it ended. It didn't end with him saying, uh, you're full of it. It ended with it said, you give me a lot to study. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, some, some other progressives called in and I said, wait, don't get on this guy's case. I mean, look at how we left the conversation at least. I'm going to go ahead and take a look at that. And if you're on fact, hey, you're fine. But anyhow, Mary, you are you you are pretty much in charge of a lot of our the communications that go out for Netroots Nation, uh, that organization that brings all progressives from around the country, the largest one in in in, in the world. Um, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about what Netroots Nation is about? What's the goal? of having an organization that have conferences every year to sort of uh, promote progressive values? Yeah, well, a lot of the people who attend Netroots Nation work online um, and they collaborate with other people that don't always get FaceTime. So really our goal is to provide a forum for folks around the country to be able to come together, to learn, to share stories, to get training, to network and to have fun. Um, you know, there's really, um, 
uh, a lot of uh, a lot of cool like connections that happen at Networks Nation, as you know, um, mm-hmm. as a longtime attendee. Like we have had people who have said, "My organization got started with an idea at Networks Nation," you know, that came out of a hallway conversation. We've had people say, "I decided to run for office," and then go on to run. And we have one woman who came, I think maybe 12 years ago, um, on a scholarship, decided to run for office. She got inspired to run for office and she's now, um, in her state legislature and has been for, I think eight or nine years now. Um, we've had people tell us they've met their life partners there. Um, you know, met other folks that they've collaborated with on campaigns, issue campaigns. Um, people have found jobs, so that's really at the crux of what we want to do. We want to provide a space for people to meet up. Um, if you're not super familiar with NetRoots, um, it is three days of a whole lot of really amazing content. We have panels, we have training sessions, uh, keynotes, um, lots of social events, and and the content really like encompasses almost every progressive issue out there. We'll have stuff on abortion access on economic policy, on sort of 2022 campaign lessons, um, the importance of state legislatures. We'll have stuff that's more civic engagement. We'll have trainings for people who want to learn how, you know, to to get media for their organization or their issue. We'll have stuff that's more tech savvy. Um, So it's a really great place to come learn. get inspired, get some inspiration, get some connections, and then take that back to their, to their communities. I, it's an eight, look, I've been in it from the, from the time <laughs> it started when Marcus started a uh, daily coast and, it, and, and, and things came by now, interestingly, um, I, I'm there yearly on radio row. So for those that are listening right now, come on and, uh, get an interview. I, I do a minimum of 25 interviews, usually around 48 to 55. So We'll 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 see how that runs this year, but it is it is the what you guys have put together. The leadership of the Netroots Nation Conference is a conference unlike no other, uh, and the camaraderie and the the not only learning but the social events at this conference mm-hmm. second to none. Uh, so uh, kudos to you and the team for uh, what you've done. Year after year after year, what's in store for Netroots Nation 20, uh, 2023? And tell us about uh, when it's going to be, et cetera. Yeah. So it's all happening July 13th through the 15th in Chicago at the Chicago Hilton. Um, we have 150 breakout sessions on tap, like I said, on every issue imaginable. Um, trainings for people who are brand new to politics and folks who have been in the movement for a really long time. Um, we'll have one really amazing, inspiring keynote every day. Our opening keynote, we're going to have the new Chicago mayor, Brandon Johnson kind of anchoring that on Friday, we'll have um, a keynote that's going to be anchored by um, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, two of the Tennessee three um, uh, folks. Um, And then on Saturday, we will have, I think it's nine members of Congress as part of that keynote. So um, we're going to have representatives, uh, Pramila Jayapal, Jan Schakowsky, Summer Lee, Greg Kazar, Maxwell Frost, Ilhan Omar, uh, Chuy Garcia, Delia Ramirez. Um, they'll all be there, um, like I said, along with Brandon Johnson. And then we've got just some other really great folks who are, you know, 
Elected officials in other capacities will have Attorney General Keith Ellison, uh, Rob Bonta from California, um, Illinois Attorney General Raul, um, Michigan Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist is going to be there. Um, folks who lead amazing organizations, Marcos from Daily Coast, Maurice Mitchell from Working Families Party, um, Tim Wise, the brilliant activist and writer, Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, so there's just some really amazing folks coming to share um, about their work and you know what's happening in, in the area of politics they work in. Well, it's going to be a great conference. Uh, I, I want to just put a, a quick number out there to those that are listening to us. Again, this is a progressive conference. And for those who don't know, this country is a progressive country by values. When you ask people what they want, the values that they expound are that of progressive. So this is a very important conference that covers all that America say that they want. Um, my last question is always the same. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Well, I think we covered a lot of things. I do want to say um, one thing that makes Netroots unique from other like business conferences or corporate conferences you might go to is that it is just a ton of fun. Um, people, our attendees come from all 50 states. And actually, we have international attendees who come every year. Um, we have attendees who are teenagers. We have attendees who are, you know, in their seventies and eighties, um, come from all walks of life. And one of my favorite things to do is just walk the hallways, pop into the exhibit hall and just listen to the conversations because you hear people saying, Oh, well, you're from my hometown. I'm really passionate about this issue. And you hear people matching up ideas and, and brainstorming with one another. And then we also have, as you note, some really fun social events. We have an annual karaoke event that is um, yes. <laughs> super fun, a pub quiz that's been going for 18 years now. Um, Lots of, you know, happy hours and, and you know, different places where you can connect. Someone last year told me that they described Netroots Nation as progressive summer camp um, or summer camp for people who love politics. And I think that's a good description. Yes, right? That is. Um, it definitely someone is. else said it's like drinking from a fire hose. Um, and I said, yeah, it kind of is. there's so much content that it's almost a little yeah. overwhelming to figure out what to go to. But I promise you, if you come, you'll find someone um, to connect with. You'll, you'll find someone either you know passionate about an issue that you're passionate about, someone from your area, um, someone from your walk of life. So um, it's a really great event. Um, I tell people, don't ever say Netroots Nation is not for you because th there's something for everyone on the agenda. Um, and anyone can attend. Uh, we have tickets that start. Um, we have a very low youth rate that starts at, um, I think it's a little under $100. Um, we have an activist rate for folks who aren't you know, going on behalf of their organization. Um, and then we also have scholarships. So if you need a scholarship, um, if you go on our website, there's a link to apply for a scholarship. We don't want price to ever, you know, keep anyone out. Um, but, you know, everyone is welcome and, and we would love to see you there. Mary Rickles, Director of Communications and Politics for Netroots Nation, the largest annual conference for progressives in America. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thanks for having me. Anyway, folks, uh, Netroots Nation is going to be great. Um, you know, I don't want to. I, I, look, I, I'm going to. I'm going to answer a few things here. 
with regards to uh, Medicare for all, because I think people need to people need to get the people need to get the right kind of answers here. I want you guys to do this for me, uh, and 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 hear me out. I got time because the other videos are very short. What what irks me most of all is that everybody here that is speaking out against Medicare for all was coerced was convinced into denying arithmetic, was convinced into denying math. Rudnan, I know you're bringing up a lot of studies that prove that Medicare for all uh, is, would save a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the case is a lot more simple than that, right? The first, the first concept that I want to get out of people's minds is that somehow private insurance give people choices. That is false. That's the first thing I want to say. And, and I'm bringing this up because the, the, the conversation and it took a, a turn to Medicare for all. So it is false that private insurance give the customer a choice. You get the choice of picking which private insurance you want. And then after you've made the choice of which private insurance you want, they decide what care you are going to get. It is tantamount to saying, which slave master do I want? Which, which master do I want to be as a slave? Private insurance does not give choice. They tell you what doctor you can see, what drugs you can use. So I want to dispel that, that particular thought process first. Private insurance does not give you choice. It gives you choice of which master. It gives you choices. Who, which company would you prefer to screw you? That's number one. Number two, for those who say that Medicare for all is an authoritarian concept, it is it couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth because standard Medicare, not Medicare Advantage. Medicare Advantage is nothing more than private insurance in sheep's clothing. And let me back up a second. Private insurance in the past, in the 40s, in the 50s, they refused to cover old people or if they covered old people, they charged them three times the price. Now, private companies have coerced our government to pay them more per policy to ensure older folk. And what that simply means is that we are subsidizing rich fat cats, executives and shareholders of these private insurance companies. Number three, the idea that somebody would say, if we got Medicare for all, it would bankrupt us. That is tantamount to saying that we don't have enough resources to cover all Americans' health care. And as such, we relegate a few of our people to die. Because if we are saying we cannot create an environment where everybody has health care, it means we're saying only those who can afford health care will get health care, and thus we relegate the others to die. Number three. Now let's go to number four. Number four. To accept that private insurance, we're not talking about, we're talking private insurance now. We have to, to believe that private insurance can somehow, 
be less expensive than public insurance is asking you to not think critically. It is asking you to forget about arithmetic. Whenever you have several insurance companies, every insurance company must have its own CEO, CFO, its own databases, its own buildings, its own infrastructure, uh, shareholder uh, dividends, uh, executive pays and bonuses. The people who sell the product gets a whole big piece of the action. The, the amount of overhead to pay a bill under private insurance is humongous. Basic arithmetic says, if you take out the middleman, that private insurance company, and use all those benefits that even if you had 10% waste in the system, which would be billions upon billions of dollars, it would still be less expensive than private insurance. These are mathematical facts. This is, these, these things are not up for debate. These are simple mathematical facts. Now, uh, Jack Smith or Smith said made a comment that then should give people pause. Well, if we decide to have Medicare for all, we would get less services. Again, you're defying math. First of all, you assume that services come at the volition of private companies. That is, that is demonstrably false. Most drugs, most technologies, including this new drug that's about to make the drug companies a bunch of money, the new diet drug pill that seems to be successful in having people lose weight, all of these drugs had their genesis at universities or provided by grants. All of them. I didn't say some. I said all of them. Drug companies, corporations, they do not take risks. Risks are taken at universities where we, the people, the government pay. The corporations take what's called calculated risks. What are calculated risks? After we have a good feeling that this stuff may be successful, we then go ahead and invest into bringing it to market. But it gets worse. Now, there are times when drugs that, that, seem, to be, that seem to be successful will not turn out to be successful. That's true. However, let's be clear. Even when a company loses money, for a drug that was not successful, they still don't lose the money that they use to develop that drug. Why? Because after they have failed with a particular drug and let's say invested a few billion dollars in it, they recover every penny of those billions of dollars in the form of tax write-offs for the losses. We have been hoodwinked into believing. Look, I just gave you a cogent 100% fact-based statement. We will still have people that decide to deny math. We will still have people that decide to deny the reality that if you have to pay a lot of other people to administer this thing, it's going to cost more. That you, If you have many insurance companies that a, that a, uh, that a, a, a doctor's office is a lot more expensive, you, you pay more to a doctor because that doctor has to hire more people who find which plan, which insurance they can bill, etc. So my friends, all around, all around, what 
those are denying Medicare for all, uh, universal health care. They're simply wrong. Simply wrong. Everything that I've just stated is corroborated by facts. You can look it up. I don't ask you not to look it up. I want you to look it up. Because those of you who deny these statements that I've just made are the ones who, in fact, are carrying water for those who are screwing you, your family, your relatives. Now, John Smith says that I am wrong. Give me a call at 281-823-7747. And in your own words, detail specifically, factually, mathematically, why it is that you think I'm wrong. So please give me a call, uh, 281-823-7747. You think I'm wrong. Make your point. Make your case. The thing about it is, I am absolutely sure that I'm right. You know why? Because numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Corporations lie. Corporations fool because they simply care about their bottom line. Uh, Bridge says, if someone pays 200K for liberal arts, they're silly. It's general degree means nada. Uh, True. Uh, Daniel Ledo says, notice Egberto never talks about the billions of pharmaceutical companies make with the vax. Never hear. No, I do. I do talk about that. It's a ripoff. I spoke about what they're doing with the, the vaccines. Now, I do believe it's a ripoff. Daniel Ledo, that's not true. The pharmaceutical companies are thugs. They are thugs, including the ones who make the vaccines that all of us depend on. They are thugs. Anything else you'd like to know about that, Mr. Ledo? Anything else you'd like to know? The biggest crooks in this country are heads of corporations. The, the, the petty thief that goes into a 7-Eleven and steals something, that's not a problem. The petty thief that picks one person's pocket, it's bad, but it only affects one person. The healthcare companies, the pharmaceutical companies, they are massive thugs. They are massive thieves. That is what we're talking about. Let's see. Scroll up and read my post about Medicare Advantage. If you could post it again, it would be a lot easier for me, Bridge. I'd love to read it, but maybe I won't find it. Egberto Willis, let's see. Uh, is that the... I read one from Bridge. that says, Egberto Willis, this is horrible deal for retired police, firefighters, teachers, sanitation workers. This guy wants to stop the benefits to stop uh, for retired New York state workers and switch them all to Medicare Advantage. I read about that. I followed that. This is me. I have New York uh, State teachers' health benefits after retirement for life. I rag paper, but we need the other side. We need the other side. People are freaking out. New York Post, uh, let's see. Uh, don't let petty politics kill the city's retirement health care savings. Again, you know, if we had Medicare for all, we're, as my friend in Canada that I'll meet again at Netroots here, you have a card. You just have that card and go in for medical care. My friend in Canada, he, when he came out, he said, you know what's an interesting thing, Egberto? When we have to see a doctor, the last thing on our minds are, what is it going to cost? We go see our primary care guy. Our primary care is like that dispatcher. And that dispatcher sends us where we need to get, whether it's be a specialist or otherwise. 
John Carter says, if we had Medicare for all, we wouldn't need all these schemes to fill the holes. Exactly. Michael Rudden says, Egberto, our, bro- our broken private healthcare system kills in excess of 70 million Americans per year, mostly due to the denial of coverage, prescription price gouging, and underinsuring. We can do better. We have the money to do better. We have the money to do better. The reason why we don't do it is because we have, first of all, gullible folks that, are, that, that, that choose not to understand math. They choose not to understand the concept of, of being taken advantage of. And when they get taken advantage of, they just said, please do it again. It's that simple. I made the cogent argument, a fact-based cogent argument from a math standpoint. It is impossible for private healthcare that has profit, shareholder value, and duplicate services to be less expensive than a single-payer system. It's mathematically impossible. But, you know, some folks will choose not to accept that reality. It's a mathematical impossibility otherwise. All right. Anyway. I got another video to show you, President. Uh, there's new a new term that we're going to hear a lot now called, uh, just like how you had Reaganomics, which is, was tantamount to ripping people off, we now have Bidenomics. And, I, you know, I like, I like parts of Bidenomics. I want Bidenomics to be more like, uh, like uh, <laughs> uh, Sandernomics, right? That's what I really would prefer. Anyway, uh, E2247 says, Gilberto is displaying the best of critical thinking done right with politics done right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, let's see. John Cotter, get a new job, uh, a new insurance, or you'll insure the health care to stop it. I don't know what you're saying there. I honestly don't know what you're saying there. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and, um, and play how, what Biden did to Trump in a sly way today. I thought it was funny, and I thought I would bring it to all of you. He kind of threw some shade at Brother Trump. Check this out, and we'll take it on the other side. I love it. Did you see that? President Biden just threw shade at Donald Trump and the classified info stuff. Check it out. I've long said, and I mean this, I was on the Tibetan Plateau with Xi Jinping. I traveled 17,000 miles with him. I've spoken with him more than any other state because it started when I was vice president and president who was the president and he was the vice president. We knew he was going to be successful. It was inappropriate for Barack to spend that time with him, but I, I spent a lot of time with him. I met alone with him, just he and I, and a simultaneous interpreter 68 times, 68 hours, 68 times, more than 68 hours. By the way, I turned in all my notes. By the way, I turned in all my notes. By the way, I turned in all my notes. Yes, he turned in all his notes. In other words, he didn't keep the material. He didn't try to hold on to the material. He turned in all his notes. Anyway, we have another video. It seems like McCarthy is in trouble once again. He made the mistake and told a truth. And in telling the truth, he got slaughtered. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. The question is, is he the strongest to win the election? I don't know that answer, but can somebody, can anybody beat Biden? Yeah, anybody can beat Biden. Can Biden beat other people? Yes, Biden can beat him. It's on any given day. 
Speaker Kevin McCarthy is now doing damage control in those comments, claiming to Breitbart they were taken out of context. But were they? And why might a Republican leader feel some trepidation? Let's talk about McCarthy. I mean, it's interesting for him to waver even a little bit on Donald Trump. Waver even a little bit. He did that once right after January 6th when he said that he bears some responsibility for the insurrection. But then days later, found himself back in Mar-a-Lago, stood for the photo with Donald Trump. Donald Trump posted the photo. And then the House Republican caucus seemed to be linking back up in arms with Donald Trump over the next three years. That's where we find ourselves with this. Uh, but I think it's notable because in this House caucus, there's been few Republicans that have actually endorsed Ron DeSantis. There's only one that has endorsed Nikki Haley. And so it's notable. But of course, the walk back just hours later, suggesting that Donald Trump is actually Joe Biden's biggest political opponent is notable here for the folks here. Actually, Katie, I think we have a little sound with some of them. Maybe we can play some of it because I was asking folks about uh, whether they were concerned whether Donald Trump was damaged as a general election candidate. Take a listen it's about him politically going into the next year. I think I'm going to make him stronger. There was new audio that came out from a conversation he had. I heard, it. I heard this morning. What did you make of the, the audio? I don't know enough about it to comment. But it's not deterring you. Not I love the cartoon that showed the voice behind Trump saying, you're not going to withstand the tornadoes that are coming at you. And he said, I am the tornado. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form. Yep, it's a tornado. It's a tornado. Uh, <laughs> is what what Donald Trump wanted to say as well. Then we had the guy backtracking and backtracking again, and but he made a big mistake. He went ahead and put out some propaganda on the mistake that he made. So he has a lot of atoning to do with Brother Trump, I guess. But anyway, we have the last video now, and this last video has to do with Liz Cheney's suggestion, suggestion to both. Republicans and Democrats. Liz Cheney, uh, you know, she turned out, you know, we, we are completely different ideologically, but I think she has shown more guts than most uh, Republicans and Democrats alike. She actually gave up her career, maybe for something better later, but she gave up her career knowingly because, according to her, she, she chose country over party, country over Trump. And you know what? I'll give that to her. She gave up her seat without any, without any known possibility of getting back into Republican politics. We'll see. But this is what she had to say. Let's hear it right now. Former Congresswoman Liz Cheney is calling on Republicans to reject Donald Trump, the current Republican frontrunner, of course, in 2024. Cheney, who lost her seat in Wyoming after confronting Mr. Trump, sat down with NBC's Lester Holt at the Aspen Ideas Festival yesterday and issued a warning to Republicans and Democrats. If the Republican Party continues down this path um, and uh, moves towards, for example, nominating Donald Trump for the presidency, uh, you know, I think that we have seen day after day after day the party go further and further um, uh, down this path of not being salvageable. It's really important for Democrats 
to take him seriously. You know, there can be a tendency I see sometimes for people on the Democratic side to say, well, look, sure, you know, the Republicans will nominate him. The Republicans are a mess, but, but we'll be able to beat him in a general. And um, that is playing with fire. And it's a it's a risk we can't take. Cheney yesterday also saying that Republicans are, quote, electing idiots. And when asked about a presidential run of her own, she said she would not do anything that would help Donald Trump. But left it sort of ambiguous. Yes, sort of ambiguous, which means she just may run for president, you know. And I tell you what, where she's at right now, she would probably get a lot of crossover votes as well, because many will many will say that in, in, in the hearings, she did a very good job, and she gave the hearings to many Republicans, not Democrats, but to many Republicans, she gave the hearing uh, some uh, credibility for those Republicans who otherwise would have said it's a Democratic hearing. So kudos to Liz Cheney on her statement, and she points out that Republicans are running a lot of folks that are less than apt for the position, right? Uh, she's, She's adding folks that well you get it you get it anyway anyway folks um uh let me just say that i i want people to be instead of always trying to be uh what is the word ideologically perfect uh try to do math every so often math is important and you know you would you would if you ever hear how some Republican leadership, what Republican leaderships really think about those who followed them, you would be stunned. I have a lot of Republican folks in different areas, and they really think very poorly of those who continue to support them. But they know that they've got it. Shiva Las Vegas says Liz got moxie. She does have moxie. Daniel Ledo says, Liz Cheney has zero chance of winning the Republican primary. LOL. How out of touch are you? I never said she was going to win the Republican primary. I never said she had a possibility of winning the Republican Party. If you heard me say that, you heard wrong. I said that, in fact, I said she sacrificed likely her career uh, for doing what she did. Egberto, a thought, does going into politics make people less able to do math? Well, no. The people in politics know to do math better. They know how to do it so well that they can confuse people like our brother here, Eric Hayes and and Daniel Ledeau. And specifically, uh, what is his name? John Smith? Is his name today? John Smith? Yeah. All right. Let's see. Bridge MCP. Please, Egberto Willis, don't read DL. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I did. Yes. Anyhow, let's see what else we got here. Anyway, folks. We're coming, well, we still have about five minutes of, of program that I can do if, if anybody wants to ask anything up. I would love, anybody wants to give me a call, 281-823-7747. I would love one of my beautiful conservatives here to call in and defend your position. You know, come on in, defend your position. If you think you can, if you think you have a point that is, that is, that, that proves me wrong, I have no problem at all for somebody who proves me wrong on any point. I will sing it to the sky. I was wrong. But will you do, will you do that? And uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Tom C. says, ask Egberto this Saturday, July 1st. Sign up and enjoy a great discussion. I forgot about that, uh, about announcing that. But it's the first Saturday. Of course, we're going to have our Ask Egberto anything. And what I better do 
is I better open my my thing here. And folks, please sign up. We don't have please sign up for Ask Egberto anything. Let's go ahead and get the link out there. Here is the link to sign up for Ask Egberto anything. Uh, sign up, you'll get a link back, and we'll be ready to go. Come and let's talk on Saturday. In fact, it would be great if John Smith and and all others who want to talk the numbers can call can can zoom in with us. Everybody, everybody gets a chance to say their piece. Uh, pong el link. Acabo de poner el link. Está ahí ahora mismo Melanie Keelan. Lo puse ahí. I just put the link there, Melanie Keelan. All right. Yeah. So um, let's 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 do that. Uh, the, the link is up there. It is politicsdoneright.com slash askegberto. Politicsdoneright.com slash A-S-K-E-G-B-E-R-T-O. Repeating for our podcast listeners, politicsdoneright.com slash A-S-K-E-G-B-E-R-T-O. Ask Egberto. All right, folks. I'm still, I had to re recue uh, the ask that I'm doing for my trip to, to Chicago. Uh, because it expired and I haven't been promoting it enough. So I'm going to ask you guys to help me promote it if possible. Uh, that's the link there. It is politicsunright.com slash NN23, politicsunright.com slash NN23. And let me put that onto the screen and, um, and tell you what you get. I'm going to read. I'm going to read what folks get. PDR is again, Politics Unright is again on the coveted radio uh, role to broadcast events and record interviews. I was on one of the first to interview a wide-eyed and up-and-coming Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez there and told her she would beat. She would be a congresswoman. Uh, and I told her she was going to beat Joseph Crowley. She did. I will interview between 25 or more than 50 politicians, activists, pro, uh, progressive thinkers. We break national news yearly at Netroots Nation, and we'll be doing some live broadcasts as well. I also should be broadcasting, if the internet holds up, broadcasting my 6 o'clock program live from Chicago as well. Your sponsorship covers upgraded podcast equipment, uh, airfare, hotel, transportation, and incidentals. Every higher donation level gets all the previous levels as well. Here we go. Um, all donors will have their names unless anonymous listed in the credit section of every video interview in the YouTube description of the video as supporter, co-producer, and listed on a special uh, network, Networks Nation 23 page at politicsdoneright.com. That's the first tier. Uh, everybody who gives $100 or more may choose to have us create a full internet searchable page at politicsdoneright.com. PDR must approve the page to ensure it does not violate copyright, obscenity laws, etc. A $200 or more donor gets our new PDR embroidered polo shirt, the blue ones that I have with, the blue, with everything in blue right there. And the first 20 donors of $35 or more get an autographed copy of my book, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relative, Friends, and Neighbors, and a Politics Done Right sticker and remember every tier gets what the others get as well so please consider supporting our trip to uh to chicago already on the credit card would be great to go ahead and being able to get that off especially with these crazy high interest rates but we need the support not only for the trip to chicago 
but to keep doing what we do here. And by the way, how do you become a member and supporting the different things that we do at Politics Done Right? It's simple. You, you, we have a politicsdoneright.com slash support where you can decide how you want to support the program. And let me put that link in there. It's politicsdoneright.com slash support. Politicsdoneright.com slash support. Anyhow, 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 anyhow. That's it for the ask. I want to, before I go, before I shut down, I want to, I want to really speak to my right wingers, my, my brothers on the right. Look, many of the things, I don't know why, right? It may be the same reason that lefties look at many on the right, uh, you know, they, they get upset. As you all know who follow my show by now, I hold everybody in high regards, uh, whether you, you cuss me out or do whatever, because I understand the dynamics that's working here. And I want you guys to really get this here. Our economic system, and I want you to listen to this well, please. Our economic system depends on the peons. And who are the peons? Me, I'm a peon, you're a peon. We're all peons. We're all antiseptic slaves, slaves in this particular system. Our economic system is predicated on us hating and fighting each other. They have to do this. And the reason this has to occur is no one who understands how our system works. Nobody who understands how our system works, right, will, uh, will tell you otherwise. Now, here's the deal. There's no reason for my right-wingers to hate me. And in fact, I'm glad that I actually have some here that are supporters. They're donors. They're, in fact, I have some that are monthly donors as well to Politics Done Right. There's no reason to hate on me or any of the other progressives in this room. And to my progressive brothers and sisters, no reason to hate the right-wingers. We, we kind of parrot a lot of what we hear from those that we trust. That's, that's how it works, and that's how, that's how the machine works. My goal here is to have folks critically think, not look at me or anybody else from our right-wingers, not look at the lefties as somebody trying to do you harm. They're not. They're not trying to do you harm. And the right-wingers as well, they're not trying to do harm to the lefties. If you want to be honest, they're not. They just happen to believe, they believed some of the things that have been told to them on the right. I mean, it's mathematically incorrect, but it's more than math. Math plus ideology, it takes math from a, plus a change in ideology because an ideology can obfuscate math. And that is what I've learned in age. One of the reasons I will never and I mean this to the core of my heart. Now, if, a, if somebody slaps me, I'm going to slap them back. If somebody punches me, I'm going to punch them back. But I won't hate them. I won't hate them. It's important. Uh, it is important. Because our economic system, the failure of our economic system, or when I say failure, I mean the transfer 
of wealth from our economic system, from the people, the, from the masses to the few, depends on me hating you, depends on you hating me. Because if I'm so preoccupied with the hate, those who hate me and who I hate, I have no time to understand and critically think about those who are truly screwing me. And therefore, I don't ever intend to hate on those who continue to hate on me or hate on these issues or hate on progressives. I never will. I will always be there. I, that's a promise. I will never hate on you guys. It depends on us hating each other. And I won't give them that option. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? What am I again? I am out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.